My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. And with your A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, A rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, What is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, What shall I do now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do, so that when I am removed from the stewardship, they may welcome me into their homes. He called in his master's debtors one by one. To the first he said, How much do you owe my master? He replied, One hundred measures of olive oil. He said to him, Here's your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for fifty. Then to another, the steward said, And you, how much do you owe? He replied, One hundred cores of wheat. The steward said to him, Here is your promissory note. Write one for eighty. And the master commended that dishonest steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If therefore you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will you trust with true wealth? If you're not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. The Gospel of the Lord. Every couple of weeks, all the campus ministers from the different colleges and universities in the Archdiocese of Newark come together for for some prayer, a a short business meeting, and then some casual hangout time. And all of them are are relatively young. They're just out of college a few years, and some of them are working alone. So it's kind of a good opportunity just for us to pray together, support each other in this important ministry, and just get to know each other a little bit better. But perhaps we've learned a little too much about each other. At the end of our last meeting, I'm still unsure of how this all happened, but one priest who will remain nameless and I were chatting with these two campus ministers. And I don't know if someone was talking about what they were watching on Netflix or they were catching up from watching over the summer. But the topic of Fox's summer series, BH90210, a reboot of the show from 1990, Beverly Hills 90210, came up. I think I mentioned it just in passing, just to see if these two young women had been watching it over the summer or not. At this point, I hadn't said if I was or not. Anyway, what I didn't expect was that 
this other priest to very casually mention some of his favorite episodes from when he watched the original series when he was in middle school. And that just kind of opened the floodgates for me. I started sharing my favorite scenes. I was remembering every ridiculous storyline in great detail. I was bringing up all kinds of ancillary characters, all things that only someone who pretty much watched the series on a regular basis would know. So, yeah, I'm a fan. And I'm feeling a lot of negative judgment right now, but I was in college at the time, and in fact, it was one of the most popular shows for people that were in high school and college. Anyway, this other priest and I started going back and forth. We're laughing over all these stupid and favorite moments that we had from the show. All the while, these two campus ministers who had never seen a single episode just had this look of shock, horror, amusement. I'm not quite sure. But as the conversation kept going on, we were insisting on them, like, you have to watch this show. You, you, not the reboot. You have to watch the original one. You have to start streaming it on Hulu or whatever. You have no idea how limited your life has been up to this point. <laughs> About a week later, I get this text message from one of them saying, Father Jim, you've created monsters. The two of us cannot stop watching Beverly Hills 90210. As we texted back and forth, she revealed they have watched over 15 episodes in one week. As the text conversation continued, I started to feel self-conscious. Again, I feel a lot of judgment right now with those thoughts of saying, now you're feeling self-conscious, but I jokingly responded, I should be this effective at ministering and, and being a missionary. Here it was, one 20-minute conversation convinced them to watch the television show from the 1990s, as brilliant as it was. But isn't that the truth, though? Like, when we're passionate about something, when we buy into something, we want to share it with the world. We want everyone to jump on that bandwagon. You find a, a great book or some movie, and you're constantly trying to get other people to read it or to see it. I don't know how many people tried to get me to watch Game of Thrones. I had zero desire to watch the show Breaking Bad. And one of my brothers was so completely hooked on it that after my rebuffing him over and over, he just bought the whole series for me on DVD and, and gave it to me for Christmas, basically forcing me to watch it with him. After Mass this morning, this other woman was outside. She was trying to convince a friend of hers to start using her recipe for making meatballs and why it was so much better than the one that she had had in her entire life. And then I have this other friend of mine who started a, a new nutritional regimen not too long ago. He was dealing with some health issues and he had done some research to the point that he became an expert and then a salesperson for selling these vitamin supplements. And he was constantly and still is trying to get me and every one of his Facebook friends to get on his program, promising how it's going to change our lives. It's more common than we think. We all want people to become fans of the things that we're fans of. That experience is something to keep in mind when considering this gospel we just heard. This is probably one of the most off-putting parables ever. <laughs> because on the surface, it sounds like Jesus is commending some questionable, at best, activities by the steward. Even acknowledging that he's being dishonest in his actions. So what is Jesus getting at? Well, let's look at the story again. The steward in the parable had squandered the rich man's uh, property. He made this massive mess of things. Of all that had been entrusted to him. And realizing what he had done, knowing that his job was on the line, and it was a job that did mean a lot, a lot to him since he admits there's really not a lot else out there that he was either equipped or motivated to do, 
So he somewhat craftily goes from person to person, from debtor to debtor, and works out all kinds of new deals. Would it have been better had he not gotten into the mess in the first place? Absolutely. But once he had, rather than simply giving up, he takes his his craftiness, he takes his talents and his abilities, all the things that made him someone that the master wanted to hire in the first place, and goes out and eventually is able to turn the whole thing around. He's a wheeler and dealer through and through. And when it counted the most, the guy demonstrates his abilities in a way that saves himself and saves his job. At the heart of that passage, what Jesus is admiring is seeing how determined, how committed to things that each and every one of us can become when it's something we're passionate about, whatever that might be. And most likely, every one of us can can think of something that that's true in our lives. Maybe it's playing an instrument. Maybe it's learning how to cook, playing Madden football on Xbox. You know, as individuals, when we find something we're really interested in and something we enjoy, something that's important to us, we become invested in it. We, be, we make time for it. We make sacrifices for it. We want to share it with the world. What Jesus is wondering, though, is where is that fire? Where is that passion? Where is that dedication on the part of us, his children of light? How single-minded are we about bringing about his kingdom here on earth? How focused are we on, on serving him? How consumed are we in trying to live the teachings of the gospel? How passionate are we about this faith of ours that promises eternal life? Jesus isn't saying not to get excited by the things of this world that we enjoy. He's not saying to you to give up sports or stop playing games or never watch television again as a way of proving that you love Jesus more than those things. Well, he might disagree about watching 90210, but that's a whole other thing. But the point is, all the things that you're you're passionate about, all those things that you're interested in, they're all part of what makes you you. Those different aspects of our, our personalities are what makes each of you unique and special. We all contribute. We all are a part of this massive masterpiece that the Lord has created. Where the challenge is, is can we tap into those abilities of ours? Can we utilize our gifts? Can we bring that that passion? Can we take ourselves and put them at his service? Being creative and bringing the gospel to others. Recognizing it and committing ourselves to the importance and the urgency of sharing him and his promises. A few years ago, this internationally known entertainer by the name of Penn Jillette, the, the famous duo Penn and Teller, he's an avowed atheist, and he said something that stayed with me ever since. He shared how this, this one night, a fan of his came up to him after a performance when he was outside signing autographs. And this guy was a genuine fan. He had been there a couple nights earlier, seen Penn multiple times over the years, and just came back that one night hoping to get a moment with the the celebrity one-on-one. And when he did, the guy was able to share his genuine admiration to this entertainer for his work over the years. And then he said to Penn, he knew that he was an atheist, but this fan of his who was a Christian wanted to share what was most important to him. And so he gave Penn Jillette a Bible. And in that Bible, the man wrote this, this heartfelt dedication to him. Pendulette, who is known for being incredibly sarcastic, 
took to YouTube the very next day, and he said how genuinely moved he was by this act. Even though he was an atheist, Pendulette called all of us Christians out saying, why don't more of you do the same? Why aren't we that mindful and thoughtful and passionate to want to share what we believe is good news? Or as Penn Gillette put it very bluntly in his video, how much do you have to hate a person to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell others about it? It might be one of the areas where Penn Gillette and Jesus would agree. We are gifted and talented and blessed people. God has poured out opportunities. He's already placed people in our lives. And his providence has already ordained us to interact with great varieties of people in all sorts of walks of life. Imagine if with the same confidence that we talk about our favorite movie, that we talked about this great community that we're members of to classmates or other people in the dorm or even our family members. Imagine if with the same joy that we share the latest discovery we've made on the internet with our Facebook followers or on Instagram, we shared the revelation that we've come to know of God's infinite love for us, for all of humanity. I joked about how my sharing 90210 with a couple of people got them hooked on a stupid TV show. But that point is far from a joke or stupid. We are able and equipped and called to influence others. But we need to first recognize what it is that we're receiving here. We're feasting on God's living word. And we will soon receive from this altar Jesus' living body and blood in the Eucharist. Those are our life-changing gifts, both here and now, and leading us into everlasting life with him. If we in our own authentic, genuine ways can reflect on that gift and creatively find ways to share it in our own corners of the world, then we will truly testify that we only have one master who really does matter.
in service to all God's people. We pray. Lord, hear our prayer. 